Welcome to Capital Edge Church. We have a fantastic message for you that we hope challenges, inspires, and moves your heart for Christ. Let's get into it. Thank you, worship team, and good morning, everyone. How are you? Well, welcome to church. Uh, I can't see you, but I'm sure uh, now I can. <laughs> You're appearing out of nowhere. Uh, just turn around and high-five someone near you. Don't give them COVID. Uh, and and, and if, you, if you really want to, then don't, don't let me stop you, but um, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Had a call from Pastor John this week. He said, well, guess what? I've got COVID. And um, so uh, greetings to Pastor John watching at four o'clock this afternoon. <laughs> and uh, it's good to be together and it's good to acknowledge and to sing that we belong to him. Who belongs to him? I belong to him. You belong to him. And we belong to one another. Uh, so that's, a, that's an, amazing, uh, an amazing affirmation. Yes? God bless you and make you strong and uh, make your light shine. And, uh, you know, so that as we, uh, we, we are not perfect in our ways, but he is and he is making us like him. You believe that? So, so whether you're stuck at home communicating by Zoom or you can actually come out and relate uh, on a one-to-one basis, we welcome you in Jesus' name. May God speak to you today. And uh, we're continuing the theme this month, Worship in Spirit. Um, who, who, who was here last Sunday morning? Or who saw Pastor Hamish's message uh, on, uh, on, 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 on the screen last Sunday afternoon? Or, or maybe some of you did both. You know, I spoke to people who were away and I said, you've got to watch it. And they watched it and they were blessed. Thanks, mate, for sharing the, the, the amazing story of the woman, of the, uh, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, uh, who met Jesus and went away with this, this, this single message that God is looking for worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And even for her, and I say even because for many of Jesus' followers, she was one of them out there. Uh, for, for many, for, even for her with her, her complex past and her cultural issues, uh, Jesus came into her life and said, God wants you to be a worshipper. God loves you. And God's made you in his image and he's made you with the capacity to know him and love him and be a worshiper in spirit and in truth. Now, like many, many people, even today, she thought it was somehow the conversation had become a discussion about religion. So she said, Jesus, maybe you're a prophet. And she steered the conversation back to religion. But Jesus said, no, it's not about religious differences. It's not about cultural differences. It's not about tribalism and, and the history and dogmatism that divide people. God loves you. And God wants to have a relationship with you. God is seeking worshippers. So uh, great message. Uh, you can still see it online. And you can also see it in John chapter 4. And you can see it as you say, God speak to me about, about what it means to me in the 20, 21st century. Uh, how I can be a worshipper. God is still seeking worshippers. And from the beginning of time to the end of time, there will always be worshippers. In times of doubt and skepticism and, and uh, you know, the ages through which the human race has passed, God has always had worshippers. And he's got us. For better or for worse, he's got us. <laughs> and he calls you and me today to know him and love him and work and live in relationship with him. Now, those of you who are Trekkies or who like, you know, you know, George Lucas and all his mates and all of that ilk, which I don't understand, know the importance of the prequel. You know, you've got to go back. You, 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 need, you need the backstory. So what was the backstory 
to uh, what Pastor Hamish was, sh was sharing last week. I want to go back, back past the well at Sychar in Samaria, back past David and his Psalms, which were meant to be sung as, as often and more often than they were to be read. Back past Solomon, his son, with his, all the elaborate temple, uh, temple rituals. Back past Moses and the, the, um, the exodus from Egypt and the commands and the laws and, 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 and the institutions that he established, way, way back to the very first time that, mentioned, that worship is mentioned in the Bible. Let's go back to, you know, God, God has always had people who worship him. And today I want to go back to one single solitary couple. Now, that's, that's how many is that? That's two. The couple makes two. 2,000 years before the time of Jesus. Two people who lived in a, a multicultural, a multi-faith society just like ours and who were called by God to worship him in spirit and in truth, to have a relationship with the one true God. And all down to history, God has sought out men and women to worship him in spirit and in truth. Today, this is their story. And even though they lived so long ago, I, you know, we, we live in a wonderful age where we, we live longer and we've got great complex technologies, but basically we have not changed. The, the, the needs, the anxieties, the fears, the issues that people face haven't changed. And so the lives that, 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 that Abram and Sarah lived, or they became Abraham and Sarah, for, for the sake of uh, simplicity, I'm going to call him Abraham from now, uh, 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 the lives that they lived as worshippers, because the first time worship is mentioned in the Bible is in, is in Genesis 22, where Abraham said, we are going to go and worship the Lord. The first time. And, and most of the world's religious systems are not based on worship. They're based on fear. They're based on, on tradition. They're based on culture. Uh, they're based on uh, uh, following traditions, but they're not based on worship. And many of the gods of the world today are not meant to be worshipped and loved but Jesus said, God loves you. And that's why he comes into your world and my world to bring us into relationship with him so that we can worship in spirit and in truth. So, Father, we pray today that, uh, that our hearts would be open and, and our, our, our ears would be open, that we would hear your truth, not just to pile it in along with all the other stuff that we've memorized, but so that you would capture us. And help us to realize that you've made us in your image to be worshipers. Lord, we surrender to you today. We love you. We, we honor you. We worship you. Lord, you're a good, good father. That's, and, and, and we're your children. That's who we are. That's who you are. Uh, Lord, we are in a relationship with you. Help us today to understand worship and to be worshipers in spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, please, to uh, Genesis chapter 17. If you've got your glasses, you can look at the screen. Uh, we're going to read it together. Genesis chapter 17 in the New Living Translation. This is what it says. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant or an agreement or a pledge uh, with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abraham. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you'll be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. 
Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And all the Christian parents said, Amen. Amen. All your descendants after you. And I will give the entire land of Canaan where you now live as a foreigner to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever and I will be their God. Now, I want you to get the picture because it, it, it happened a long time ago. It happened before last weekend. Uh, Abraham, or Abram, Abraham lived in the ancient uh, city of Samaria, uh, sorry, of, of, Samaria of, of Ur. Uh, for those history buffs among us, it was in an area that used to be today called the Fertile Crescent. Um, and, 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 and growing up in Ur, he was surrounded by all the gods and religions and superstitions of those times. Now, historians tell us that the city of Ur was a, was a, was a, a powerful and influential Sumerian trading center uh, located where the Tigris and the Euphrates m meet. Now, if you, if you haven't got a map, look it up afterwards. The word Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia means between the rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, the two great rivers came together where the Persian Gulf is located today, and there was the city of Ur. So Abraham grows up, and, and, and everywhere he looks, up, as he walks up and down the streets and goes to the shop, uh, he sees the gods uh, of the people who surround him. And in the midst of all of this, God says, I want you to leave your family, your culture, your street, your home group, your, 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 your commercial friends. I want you to leave everything you know. And I want you to go to a land that I'm going to lead you to and you'll have to step up by faith because you don't have the foggiest where it is. Now, in, in Hebrews 12, listen to what it says about Abraham. Abraham obeyed God. I wish that that would be our, yeah. our desire today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to be known as a person who obeys God. Yeah. Who wants to obey God? Yeah. Yeah. But what if God says, leave everything you've got and go elsewhere? And I'm, you know, it'll be revealed along the way. Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave his country and his people and journey to an undesignated land, the land of Canaan, which was also filled with, with gods and traditions and superstitions. And I've seen them in some of the museums in places like Amman in Jordan and, and, and in Jerusalem. You know, there's, there's, there's gods and goddesses of, of, of clay, which, which are nothing. And the countryside was littered with the temples of the ancient gods that were nothing, but they were powerful, they were feared. And that was the context. And, 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 and it says here in Hebrews 12, where he became the founder of a new nation, he went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. I'm glad he didn't stop having faith when he got there. <laughs> I'm glad he didn't say, well, we've, we've made it. We've reached our destination. And, and, and so here are Abraham and his wife and his nephew and a few of their servants and, and, and they're surrounded by the ancient religions. And in the midst of all of this, he says, I'm going to be a worshipper of the only one true God. It won't be popular. Maybe it'll be me and the missus. Maybe only the two of us. The three of us, the four of us with their friends, we will be the only worshippers of God. And God appears to him and says, I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. And God comes to us in a culture in which we're surrounded by the modern gods that the people love or fear or live by. And God says, I want you to be a worshipper. I want to be your God. 
I want you to live in a relationship with me. And you may be the only one living in your tent. You may be surrounded by people who belong to other gods and follow other gods and follow other religions and follow faith systems. Uh, but I want you to be my people. Thank God he's called us to be his people. I don't know why. But there's a sense when I, when I read this passage that we read uh, just a minute ago, there's a sense of, of, of God's revelation. There's a sense of Abraham's response. And there's a sense of his relationship with God. And true religion and true faith, true Christian faith, true, true worship is always going to be based on revelation and relationship and our response to God and his work in our lives. Anything less than this then we're obliged to go away and create another new religion or a new religious system. God, save us from new religions. I mean that. I'm not being flippant. God, save us from new religions. Just, you know, that, 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 that systems grow up just for their own sake. No, we want to be true worshippers to worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and the truth means that it comes out of your heart. It's not just what you sing on Sunday. It's what you say when you go to Coles, when you go to the market. We, Nita and I had breakfast out at the market this morning. You know, and, and, and they're surrounded by, surrounded by fruit and vegetables and people going about their day-to-day businesses. You know, we can still be true worshippers. God calls you and me to be true worshippers regardless of where we are. Because what happened in the life of Abraham is, is good for you and for me today. It's true for you and for me today. Now, I know that there are lots of different belief systems. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, once said, man is incurably religious. Now, if you've been reading the paper in the last couple of weeks, you'll say, well, Australians aren't incurably religious because the last census said men, increasing numbers of us say that we're not sure if we believe in God at all. Um, and, 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 and I know there's been a lot of commentary about that. Personally, I think that's misleading. You know, I have had the privilege of traveling all over the world and living all over the world. And, and when I studied anthropology at university and living in different countries and seeing different religious systems, it's very clear to me that the world is jam-packed with religion, jam-packed with people who want to have faith in something. Okay, so if you can imagine Abraham, there he is in the city of Ur, the city of his fathers and his father and his grandfather and his aunts and uncles and his best friend in a culture that's steeped in religion and superstition. And God says, I want, to, I want you to turn your back on all of this. I want you to leave all of this, your family history, your culture, your name, your position, your reputation, and count it of no consequence and leave everything to follow me. Wow. That, 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 that's, that's an expensive decision to make. That's, that's a costly decision to make. It was an illogical decision because the people of Abraham's day and the people of the city of Ur, they, they, were, they were known for the strength of their community. They were known for their strength of, of, of their economy and their military power. And, and, and to turn your back on that, to walk out of the city wall and say, I'm never coming back again, you know, it, it, it's, it's a life-changing decision. It's a decision of great consequence. It's not easy to break away. And yet when I, when I read the story of this one man and his wife and, and some fo f followers who went and, and, and journeyed with him through the desert, over the hills, uh, far away, uh, and uh, not knowing where they were going, um, it's a rare example, a rare example of someone or people who are prepared to break out and be different and live lives of worship. And God calls you and me today to be among those rare people who will break away and who will follow him Listen to his voice, 
walk in obedience to him and reserve our lives and our worship and our future and our hopes for the one God alone. With all that surrounds us to be the people of God, with all the attractions that are around us to have only one focus in our lives, to be worshipers. How is that possible? Well, it's only possible by, as I said, by, by revelation, by response and by relationship. Let's look at that for a couple of minutes. Revelation. Nothing that we believe comes to us without revelation. I'll say that again. What we believe as Christians isn't something we've, we, we've picked up, even in our grandparents' knees. It's something that's come to us because God, by the Holy Spirit, has enabled us to have an understanding. Verse, verse, verse 1, it says, The Lord appeared to him. God appeared to him. God revealed himself to him. And when God revealed himself to Abraham, everything changed. Nothing could ever be the same again. His identity, his position, his understanding, his purpose, nothing could ever be the same. The old thinking was gone. His life was different. He couldn't go back to where he was previously. God said, I'm calling you. You're in your 90s. And, and, and you're old and, and people are writing you off saying you're too old to have children. Look at your wife. She's too old to have, to have a child. I, I, I'm, I'm going to raise you up to be a father of many nations. I'm going to raise you up to be a patriarch. And thousands of years later, 4,000 years later, people still talk about the God of Abraham. Because Abraham worked, walked because he had a revelation of God. And I think that's impressive. How many people will speak about you as being a man or woman of God? Ah, yes, I know him. He's a man of God. He's a man of purpose or a woman of purpose. They believe in God and they may say, oh, they're very religious. But they'll look at your life and they'll know that you've got something. You've got a revelation that has come to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that Abraham and his wife, you know, they're living in a tent. They were, they were surrounded by other, by other tribes. And I'm sure that there were people who would have passed his letterbox saying, oh, poor Abraham, poor Sarah. They're living in the tent. They're all by themselves. Uh, they're all alone. Uh, they don't belong to us. They've been blown in, uh, you know, from, from somewhere else. And, 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 and here they are sitting on the, you know, in, in the park. But, but that, that wasn't the way God saw them. God saw them and God said, I will multiply you. I will make you strong. I will give you the capacity to be one who worships me in spirit and in truth. I will give you the capacity to be a man and a woman of God. No, no wonder he thought differently. Not because his friends told him that he was a man of God, but because God appeared to him and, and God, said, God, God said, you will be my, my servant and, and I'm, I'm calling you. Bible, the Bible says in, the, in, in Genesis chapter 15 in Romans 4, he, it says that he believed God. He believed God. And the thing that set him out and set him apart from everybody else was that he was prepared to believe God. How many of you are prepared to believe God? How many of you really, you know, you pick up your Bible or you, you, you pray and the Spirit of God speaks to you. How many of you are truly prepared to believe God and to come together for in, if, during revival? We can say, we're here because we believe Him. We're here because we trust Him. We're here because we love Him. We're here because He's real in our lives. And that revelation led to belief, which led to action, which changed his, lives and his life. And it's the same with you and me today. You can't afford to live with the old thinking. If you have a revelation of the Spirit of God in your heart and you see Jesus Christ in your life, you can't go back to where you used to live. You literally can't go back there. The old ways are dead. The old ways don't work any longer. The old ways are lifeless. The old ways are fruitless. And you know it. And, and so as Christians, we don't live by, 
Religion, we live by revelation. And we live by the revelation of the Spirit of God in our hearts. That's why we believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's why we believe that to be a child of God today isn't just to adhere to a Christian tradition. It's to have a relationship with God, with the Spirit of God living in you. The Spirit of Him who created everything lives in you. And He empowers you. He speaks to you. He guides you. He encourages you. He teaches you. He corrects you. And you live in revelation and live in relationship with Him. Do you believe God like Abraham did? Do you trust him like Abraham trusted him? Well, he's, he's a nomad, you know, living in a tent. Such an intense lifestyle. But he trusted God. He believed God. Do you trust God and do you believe God? Because with this revelation and this understanding that comes by the Spirit, you can live for him and you can be all that God calls you to be. With a new purpose and a new hope and a new future and, and, and a new surrender. You know, and as we stand there and we sing the songs and we raise our hands and we say, God, I surrender to you because you've come and you've revealed yourself to me. If you don't know him, then right now in your heart say, Spirit of God, maybe there are many things I don't understand, but I'm going to allow you. I want you to come and reveal Jesus to me. And if you're a Christian and, and you've been feeling slack and frigid and cold and, and, and out of sorts lately, say, Spirit of God, come and, come and make me alive again. Come and revive me. Revive means to, to make alive again. Come and make me alive again with that new sense of purpose and direction and future. So revelation, so important. You don't make it up. It doesn't come to you when you're sitting in the, in the, in the bathroom. Uh, it comes by, as, as, a, as a supernatural act by the Spirit of God being allowed to work in your life. So how do you respond? How did Abraham respond? Now, I, I know that, uh, you know, look, I've been in some fantastic meetings and I've, been, I've listened to some great preachers around the world. And, 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 and so often, you know, the response goes something like this. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, that's so awesome. I'm, I'm going to claim it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to start a movement. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's, 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 take, let's institutionalize it. Verse 3, listen to what it says about Abraham. It says, Abraham bowed in worship with his face in the dust. He bowed, he prostrated himself with his face in the dust, surrendered to God. Abraham was a worshipper. Now, theologians talk about a context called a concept called the law of first mention. So this, the life of Abraham is, was when worship was mentioned for the very first time in the Bible. And so we need to understand it and to listen and pay attention because that's the first foundation of worship that we have in the entire Bible. His way of life since he left Ur. His way of life since he walked in the promises of God. Even when he made some bad, really, really bad judgment calls along the way, amidst all the years of uncertainty and delay and wavering and hoping and feeling disappointed and negativity, the Bible says he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How many of us feel tempted to give up? How many of us say, well, it hasn't worked out. I, I didn't need to go to church today because I just feel so let down. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go to hunger this week because I, I just feel so let down by all the people and, and by God. You know, he, he hasn't done what he said he'd do. Uh, and yet there's a sense that for Abraham, there was this, this, this his response was one of, of, of worship. A, a, a response of you know, God appearing to him and a response of, can you imagine his, had the discussions that he has with Sarah's wife? 
They must have talked a lot because there was no television, no internet, nothing, nothing. Just every night, nothing. Nothing but, you know, cooking the meal and going to bed and getting up the next day. You know, life, life in a tent is not, in ancient, in ancient uh, Canaan was not very exciting. So Abraham says, I don't understand why God called us. I can't fathom it. I don't know why of all the people in the world why God should choose me. How odd of God to choose me. And there'd be times in my life. When I've looked around and I've said, how odd of God to choose me. <laughs> how odd of God that, that, we, that we should be the children of God. Thank God for his love. And yet it says in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, he didn't waver. He didn't stagger at the promises of God because he lived by faith. And our response has to be based on faith. In the desert, in the tunnel, in the tent, in the loneliness, in the uncertainty. He says, I will worship you in spirit and in truth. So can you imagine Abraham lying with his face in the dust? It's not a question of posture. You don't, worship isn't just, I'm going to go out and lie down the ground. And, and a bit, but it's, it's a sense of humility, a sense of surrender. Abraham said, I will surrender to you. The third thing, verse 7, it's all about relationship. God says, I will always be your God. I will always be your God. Abraham must have wondered, why me? You know, I'm no one and you're everything. Why am I called the friend of God? Why am I going to be called the father of all who believe? Why am I going to be the one through whom you will bless all the nations of the world by bringing my descendant, Jesus, the Messiah, into the world to bring salvation? Why me? Why, why Abraham? And yet God still says, I want to have a relationship with you. And it's the same message for you and me today. God says, I want to be your God. I, I, I will be your God and you will be my people. And you can sing as we we're singing before. I belong to you. You are a good, good father and I belong to you. Not because, not because of me, but because of your love. And we can have that same relationship and that same hope. We're not relying on our old names, our old identities, our old priorities, the lives that we used to live but giving way as a new generation of men and women who know God as their heavenly father. God says, I will, I will be your God and I will be your heavenly father. And, and like Abraham, we stake our lives on it. True worship, worshiping in spirit is staking our lives on God's promises and our relationship with him. There is no other. There is no one else. There is no other system. So what does this old couple who eventually did have kids they did. They had a kid. They had lots of kids and lots of descendants, lots of grandkids. What, what do they have to say about to us today? The same thing. That God comes to us and reveals Jesus to us. Revelation. God expects a response and we respond by yielding and openness and surrender to him. And God says, I will be your God. I want to have a relationship with you. You know, God is still seeking worshipers. God is still seeking those who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. And all the religions down through the ages, they've missed the point. Even the people of Jesus, they missed the point. They said, well, you know, we, we trust in Abraham. And Jesus said, no, hold it. Someone who's greater than Abraham is, is here, and that's me. Abraham saw my day. He pointed to me. And everything that Abraham and, and, and his wife Sarah hoped for as they, in a very simple way, in a very ancient way, sought to be worshippers of God, were pointing the way to the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And, 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 and even though many people missed it, there were those who got it. They understood. 
that worship is about Christ. Worship is about having a relationship with Him. That God revealed Himself through Christ. That our response to Him is to believe in Him. And through Him we have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. That's true worship. And every day, whether we prostrate ourselves on the ground or lift our hands and worship, our lives become not lives of saying things about God, but, but, but walking with Him and living with Him and having a relationship with Him and loving Him and telling Him that we love Him. You're a good, good Father. We love you. God, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And, and I want to be surrendered to you. And, and you know, I'm a Christian, not, because I, not just because of what I believe, but because you, Jesus, you're real in my life. Every generation faces the same choices. Christopher Hitchens, the um, well-known new atheist, before he died, I, I saw in, in, in an interview that he did, and he said, well, you know, how selfish of God to demand worship. Why, 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 why should we worship God? Well, when I saw that, and I thought, well, it's simple, because He's the Creator. I worship Him because He's the Creator. I worship Him because He's the only God. He's the only one. He's the only one who's worthy. Do you believe He's worthy? I believe He's worthy. And I want to lift my heart today to, to love Him, to acknowledge Him, to worship Him, to, to, to be a worshiper. Not just to worship and then go home and have a pie or, 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 or a fruit juice, but to be a worshiper. So that no matter where you go, you, you, you continue to be a worshiper, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth and in the way that you live and in the way you believe and the way that you relate to others. My wife Anita and I went to see the Messiah. Who, who knows Handel's Messiah? Some of you saw it, you know it, and a couple of us went on last night as well. Uh, and, and I was, you know, it was amazing because the, 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 the oratorio, it was written hundreds of years ago, but, but, but the Hallelujah Chorus is still the most, the most well-known of classical music in the world, sung all over the world today. And, and, and as we got to that point, everyone stood. Everyone stood. And I just wanted to lift my hands. <laughs> Hallelujah! And, and, and it says, because, and, and, and He will reign forever and ever, King of kings and Lord of lords forever and ever. Hallelujah. Isn't that a good reason to be a worshiper? He's, you know, I, and I just stood there and I just felt like heaven was open. It, it, it felt like I couldn't even, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are people there who are not Christians. Who, it was just a lovely piece of music, but something was happening in my heart. Something was stirring in my heart as I thought, yeah, He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't it good to be worshippers? Isn't it good to be the people of God? Isn't it good to have that understanding? Isn't it good to have that revelation? It's not just a song. It's about the living God who is worthy of all our praise and honour. As Christopher Hitchens has since found out. God gave Jesus the name above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And I'm glad today that he's called us into relationship with him. I'm glad that it's not just this month that we're talking about worship, but our lives are focused on him in worship. Listen to the last words of that, that oratorio. Worthy is the lamb that was slain and has redeemed us to God by his blood. Worthy is he to receive power and riches and wisdom 
and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Blessing and honor, glory and power be to him who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Lord, today we thank you that you call us to be worshipers. Lord, help us to capture this call in our lives, not just to, not just to be believers, but to live as worshipers. Lord, today we just want to open up our hearts that you would do a fresh work and a new work in our lives. As our heads are bowed, our eyes closed, I don't know everyone here. It may be that you're sitting in a meeting t- today, you're wondering what it's all about. But we're talking about a, a God who is real. We're talking about Jesus who loves you. We're talking about him who came into the world and, and, and who wants to come into your life. And while our heads are bowed, I, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life and be your Lord and Savior, you can do it now. You can do it now. We can show you from the Bible how you can, you can be a child of God and you can become a worshiper and, and your, life, your life will change. If that's you, I just want to, can you just quickly put it behind and put it down? I'll pray with you afterwards. Is there anyone here this morning? You said, Jesus, I, I want to make that first step, that first time decision to make you my Lord and my Savior. Anyone? God bless your church. Worship doesn't stop when you leave the front door. Worship doesn't stop when you sing the last chorus. Worship doesn't stop when you look at the repeat on screen late in the afternoon. Worship is the way that we live. God speaks to you. And I just want to encourage you to be open to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Listen to Him. Obey Him. Yield to Him. Surrender to Him. And worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. I want you to go out and be a blessing to someone today. Let God lay some name, some person, some situation in your heart and say, God, I want you today to use me to speak your word and your life into someone else's life. Have a great afternoon. Don't forget, uh, Pathways is on at 5.30 this afternoon. If you're, if you're a family and you, you need to come out early and go home early, then that's absolutely fine. If you want to stay around for coffee and tea and some Woolies biscuits afterwards, that's absolutely fine. Have a great afternoon. See you at 5.30. But, but be a blessing. Be a worshiper. And God will give you the strength to do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.